Welcome to the Red Conrad Show, the story of my life and world events how I see them. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. Let's get this going. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! Before we get going with this episode, I just want to point out that the next part is going to be um, subscriber only. So if you're not listening to this show on Spotify, please go to Spotify and subscribe so that you can hear the next part of this story. Um, The link to the Spotify show is on the website uh, show.redconrad.com. Again, the next the next part to this story is going to be subscriber-only content. So, if you want to hear the next part of this story, please subscribe. So, when it gets uploaded, you can listen to the next part of the story. Thank you. As I've alluded to in previous episodes, <clears throat> there's going to be episodes, um, you know, stories that are split into parts, where uh, one part will be on, you know, the free side, another part will be subscription only, because of whether it's the story itself or just the content of the story, <clears throat> different things I'll be saying. This story is probably going to be one of those stories. So if you're not listening to this on Spotify, hop over to Spotify and make sure you subscribe to the podcast, to the subscription-only content, subscriber-only content for the following parts of this show that I don't make available, you know, for free. Um, anyways, this story starts out when I was 22, okay? I was working... Um, I think at that time I had two jobs. I don't think I had my third job still. Um, but I was working at 7-Eleven. No, I did have three jobs. I was working at 7-Eleven and, um, I don't remember what the second one was. But I know I had, I had picked up coals temporarily. And, you know, coals being an idiot... I didn't want to cooperate with my schedule with my other employers. <coughs> so after only being there a month, I, I quit because like if I have to, if I've got to choose between, you know, which job I'm going to work at, I'm going to pick the job that number one is cooperating with me with my schedule with the other employer, but is also paying me more. And 7-Eleven, which was my other overnight job, because Kohl's was overnight. 7-Eleven was, was my other overnight job and they're paying me more than Kohl's was. So naturally I chose to stick with 7-Eleven. Said fuck it to Coles. 
But this is around the time when I was working uh, legal, well, prepaid legal. Now it's called Legal Shield. And uh, like I mentioned in past episodes, this guy would walk in, you know, several nights a week, um, grab himself a cup of coffee, and walk out. Well, when I started putting down <clears throat> my business cards for uh, prepaid legal, he picked one up and probably, you know, it was definitely a couple of days, maybe a week, he'd be calling me every single night, like, he, where he, he knew I was at work, so there was no way I was in front of the computer, nothing, he was asking me all kinds of questions about the different legal plans I offered, um, if they were just business plans, or if, you know, they were also, I mean, if they were just personal plans, or also business, I had, they were business plans, <clears throat> it was possible to cover the business, he mentioned that he had two businesses he needed, uh, plans for, okay, fine, great, dandy, one was out of state, I answered all his questions. Um, he must have liked how I how I presented myself. <clears throat> you know, I didn't hesitate to answer nothing. And this wound up into him making me a job offer. The job offer was now he owned a janitorial company up in New York. Okay, um, he owned two of them, and one was down in North Carolina. One was in New York. <clears throat> Um, he offered me uh, on the New York company. Um, I worked for him for six months, learned the ropes. And if after six months I like it, he'll make me um, VPO <clears throat> and I'll have 10% of the business. Now, at 22 years old, and you know, somebody who is honestly thinking that, you know, life is shit, they're, they're, Looking at their life like you know they're in this mega dead end situation. I mean, as good as the money was at a Seven Eleven, it wasn't you know great. I was making I made more money when I was working at Target, and at least at Target I had I had room you know to grow. Seven Eleven. The guy only, it was a franchise, the guy only owned three stores. You know, obviously, the highest I'd be able to get to, he's a manager of one of his stores, and I'd only be able to maybe get one of those positions of one of those stores when one of his other managers decided to quit or retire, whatever. And so basically, it was uh, more or less a dead-end job. So, 22 years old, you feel your life sucks, it's going nowhere, well, your jobs are more or less dead end. You're extremely frustrated. You know, anxiety through the freaking roof. You're dealing with all with all these different, you know, mental issues and whatnot, right? This life is just not what you want it to be. And based on your current situation at that time, you, you're looking down the road at your future. And it wasn't looking too bright. So, so then, then somebody comes and offers you. You know, uh, uh, come work for me for six months. If you like it, at the end of six months, I'm going to make you an executive and 10% of the business. You know, I mean, that offer really does sound too good to be true. But it happened. And rather than, you know, figuring, well, that's too good to be true, I'm like, what's the catch? 
I took it. I, I spoke to a woman about it and we went over, you know, the basic rundown of the, of the job. I mean, he mentioned obviously it was a cleaning company. I mean, he was in uniform. The van was freaking plastered in, in, in advertisements and, and uh, company magnets and whatnot. No, it was really obvious what he what he did for a living. But um, we went over how we did that residential uh, customers, commercial contracts. Um, there was commercial clients all over the island, and he made it sound good. He really did. <clears throat> so I accepted it. <clears throat> um. I started learning the ropes, right? I'm learning how to do, how to run payroll. I'm learning how to run um, all the accounting and whatnot, uh, accounts receivable, all that crap. Um, you know, I'm learning all the engine in the house. Uh, uh, you know, the office side of business as well as you know the field side of, of the business. And I gotta say, I mean, <clears throat> being a working boss, I mean, I. All my businesses. I mean, right now my current business, um, basically by myself, started by myself, running by myself. I had help a couple times, but they ghosted me. But I have, I have had help, you know, with another, other businesses with my fish market. I had help. So, but I've even when I had help. I've, I've always been a working boss. I'm always going to be, no matter how big one of my businesses finally gets, preferably this one that I'm currently doing. If it finally grows the size I'd like it to get to, I'm still going to be out in the field. Yeah, the bigger I get, there's going to be that much more, you know, office-type crap I got to take care of and all this extra bullshit I'm going to I'm gonna have to deal with. But I'm, I'm still going to be out in the field. I like I like working. I like being out there with with my people. Um, but anyways, when you walk into a building that looks like absolute shit, especially when we had a floor job and the floor was just disgusting. And by the time you get done... And, and you know, you can literally see your reflection in the floor. There's not a speck of dust anywhere. I mean, the place is spotless. Yeah, that was, that was a good feeling. I mean, it made me feel good. Um, money was all right. But the, the feeling I got doing that work was, I liked it. Now, the reason why this story kept on coming up so many times in my previous episodes, despite the fact I didn't want to have to talk about this story this soon in the show, is because it was a big part of my life. It impacted me a lot. Uh, and it definitely, you know, was a trigger for one of my conditions. But a lot of shit went down during that part of my life. The business lasted... Um, Two and a half years, I believe I said in an early episode, if you've been listening to the entire show, episode to episode. The business lasted two and a half years. I forget how long he had it before I got involved. But after I got involved, it only lasted two and a half years before it freaking crashed. And when it did crash, what I should have done was literally taken over. I mean, he literally lost the house, lost everything we lost everything business wise he lost everything personal personally speaking i lost pretty much all of my stuff my personal stuff i mean it was a disaster 
because or because of a mistake he made that I will get to in a minute that I didn't know about at first. I mean, um, I forget how long I was working for him, with him, whatever. It was before the six months before I became BPO and got my ten percent of the business. Um, that um, me, I, I, I think I moved into his house first, and then no, Joanne moved into his house first, and then I moved in. This Joanne lost her house. Um, we moved her into the downstairs. She was building rooms down there. And she got moved into one of the one of the downstairs rooms. I eventually moved in. And then we pretty much worked like 24-7. Everything was work, 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 work. I mean, we, we tried to have some time relaxing. Like, there were certain TV shows that come on that, that he was into. So he made it a point. We didn't fucking work when that show was on. He had to sit down and watch his fucking goddamn show. And then, naturally, as soon as it ended, we had to freaking rush out the damn door because we had overnight contracts five nights a week spread all over the island. And it was basically us and a very small crew. For whatever reason, he just wasn't into the idea of hiring a second or third crew to take care of some of our clients and keep on building up our clients. It, I, it was just... But when everything crashed, right around the time that it crashed, um, he's in jail. Uh, as as clients are hearing what happened with him, they're they're dropping like fucking flies. And I had literally just landed a seventy thousand dollar per month commercial contract, which. I did tell him about, and he asked me for all the specs and everything. So he, could, he called every night to talk to his kids, asked me about the business, make sure you know the clients were getting done and whatnot. Asked how the crew was doing, so I tell I be I be keeping them updated. As stressful as it was, and I told him about the contract that I had just landed, and he yelled at me for it because when he asked me for the specs and I told him you know the size of the building. Um, the approximate floor space of the floors that, that we're going to be getting certain wax every month on top of the, the daily office cleanings. I guess because he's been doing it for so long, he was able to run the math in his head real quick. And he figured that I'm charging a little bit less than we should have been. And truthfully, I was. I mean, on a smaller... On a smaller building, a normal average size, you know, commercial residential building of commercial floor, residential floor, whatever. Can you, the, the price you charge, you charged to stripping wax that floor was a little bit higher per square foot than what I charged these people. Same, same with the office cleaning. A regular sized office building, especially because that's all we were doing was just office cleaning. Not none of the extra fancy stuff. They did get charged a rate higher than what I charged this, this company. But the way I look at it is, I mean, even with the discount, that's $70,000 per month. Alright? Now, my 10%, that's freaking seven grand that comes to me in my pocket. And that's still $63,000 left over. Obviously, there, there's his cut, there's all the other overhead that had to get paid for. 
but that still leaves, you know, quite a bit of money, more than enough money to hire and train another crew to work just that building five days a week. Obviously, I would have had to go there myself, uh, uh, at least for the first couple of months on the, on the nights that the, we were stripping and waxing the floors until I felt comfortable that the crew that was hired for that building was able to work the equipment properly and not hurt themselves stripping and waxing the floors because that stuff gets really, really slippery. So I, I definitely would have made sure to be there myself first couple of months, make sure everybody knows what they're doing. But as far as the office cleaning, I would have stuck to the regular route, let the crew handle that building by themselves. Well, office cleaning was, you know, big deal. So they, he got a discount. That's still a ridiculous amount of money. Even even after the, um, we hire a crew for that building, paid them for the month to clean that building, there still would have been profit in my pocket, profit in his pocket, and profit in the son's pocket, who was the vice president of the company. So we all would have had our money. The business would have had its money still. And the crew we hired would have been, would have been paid. Like I, I didn't see the big deal in that. But he had a holy shit fit about it. He wanted me to charge full price. Had I charged full price, that would have ballooned the quote to well over $120,000. Which I personally did not feel was intelligent business-wise to do. And when there's that much involved, who the, who the hell's going to spend six figures, over six figures on monthly... They were asking for a lot of stuff. We were going to be there every day. They wanted the floor done every month. So I'll give them a little bit of a discount. What's the big deal? We're still profiting. But I'll get to... How came up in jail and how the business starts falling apart in a little bit. <clears throat> but what I should have done was rebranded, renamed the business, essentially taken over the business, started under started a new name under myself that I own solely. Because his son didn't want the business at that point. By the time his dad got in trouble, he decided <clears throat> he was out. He didn't want to be he didn't want the business no more. <clears throat> Even before that, he was talking to his dad about, you know, not wanting the business, not wanting to take it over from his dad. So, I should have started my own, solely owned by me, taking the crew that we had under my company, salvaged what clients we still had, and the one I had just landed, I should have taken and let them know that yesterday we quoted them under this name, well, now we're under this name, yada yada bullshit. And that's probably what I should have done. I, I really should have. The reason why I didn't is because I was scared of this motherfucker. And by the time this story is over with, however many parts it winds up being, however many episodes, can you understand why I was scared of this motherfucker? I mean, the first thing I did when we came, I mean, I was in New York for about a year. Um before we came to Florida. Uh, Joanne had eventually lost her job and she got kicked out of her home um, where she was temporarily staying after we more or less got fucked out of our living quarters at my partner, my business partner's uh, place. 
Um, I was staying with my dad for that year, and I had gotten my job back at uh, seven, one of the 7-Elevens I used to work at before everything. Around the time that Joanne got kicked out of her place, I lost my job at 7-Eleven. And needing a place to go, um, a friend of her friends rents properties up and down the East Coast. She had property available down here in Florida. So we started our move down here to Florida. <clears throat> before that, we were driving up and down the coast, looking at different areas before her friend's friend popped into the picture with the with the property down here in Florida. Um, but in the beginning, you know, I, like I, said, I took the job because he made it sound good. Being with him for six months, learning how to do everything, it was a, a little tedious and stressful at first. But I liked it. It was an alright job. I liked how the, the feeling it gave me and everything. But then shit started getting weird, right? Now that you know, we're I'm essentially living in the same house as him and his family and his ex-wife. His ex-wife had a studio in the, in the on the main floor. Um, it, it was just a really, really weird situation. He starts telling me stories about, uh, you know, how this, this, this one guy, um, the parking lot, well, the area of pavement along the expressway near where we used to live, apparently there used to be like a camp, a, a camping, um, business there. A small one that they had like all the different camp equipment, fishing poles, shit like that. Uh, they sold and repaired kerosene and rented out kerosene heaters. Well, allegedly, he took his heater there to get fixed, printed one out while he was, was getting fixed. It blew up on him. He felt the guy um, did to him on purpose. The next thing you know, the building is burning down with him inside of it. All right. That is a true story. That's literally what he said. Then I heard about um, how him and his friends um, broke into a bakery. I don't know what the hell they were after. I don't remember that part. What I do remember is um, somehow a fire ignited inside the bakery. And it wound up burning down the entire strip. Well, all the um, businesses that were inside that strip mall. And apparently, the one right next door to the bakery, the guy was still inside there, and he had a problem with my business partner also, allegedly. Um, I heard that when him and his ex-wife were still together, when they were living elsewhere, they, they had an upstairs apartment, somebody else lived downstairs. And they got He got into a fight with the guy that lived downstairs. So... Him and his ex-wife come on vacation, and somehow, you know, while they're on vacation, suddenly the house burst into flames, and the guy that lived downstairs died in the fire. 
a bunch of really messed up shit like this is what I mean. There's a bunch of these stories that I heard from him, okay? And then I met his friend that I swear to God looked just like Willie Nelson. And he had a very laid back, um, very calm, chill attitude about everything. Like, there, you couldn't piss this guy off. I don't understand it. I mean, and he was sick too. He had cancer. He was dying and he knew it. And he just would not get upset about anything. He was the calmest, chillest guy I have ever met. And he told me that all these stories I was hearing from my business partner were true. He was there for some of them. Um, then it, then it comes out that, you know, this guy had a gay lover that allegedly committed suicide. He went out to work one day, comes home, finds this guy hanging from his bathroom shower. I didn't believe that story as many times as I've heard it. Well, towards the end of everything, I got confirmation that you know, I was right that it was a bullshit story and that, you know, the more stories I heard and the longer I was living with this guy and dealing with this guy pretty much 24-7, that what I was starting to believe was actually true. Um, cause he had me, he, he had cameras on his property, okay? And they all went to the monitor in the, in the kitchen. And he told me to, um, watch, this is like just before, pretty much just before he went to jail. He told me to watch the cameras. He's going to leave out the back, and which is downstairs. And he was going to come back in the house from the front. From upstairs. Okay, fine. So I'm watching the cameras. I watch him go out the back door. I watch him go around the side of the house. And then he just disappeared. The next thing I know, he's standing behind me in the kitchen. Well, apparently he did that by climbing in through the bedroom window of his bedroom. He got back into the house, stopped being spotted by the cameras. Which only confirmed for me and told me what he was more or less saying without actually saying it. Was that he killed this guy for whatever reason he had. And basically got away with it. Uh, as far as the cops, because yes, there was an investigation to this guy's death. Well, the way he told the story is where we lived is like three or four different precincts all kind of met right there. And I don't remember exactly which precinct our property was technically under jurisdiction of. But he had um, two of those precincts in his pocket. So, he obviously wasn't worried about the damn cops. I'm not making this shit up either. Um, then, you know, uh, as, as I alluded to in an earlier episode, um, I was taking, you know, Xanax and Valium and Vicodin 
from the sky. I believed, as did Joanne, as did, you know, everybody else in, that knew he was taking this shit, that he was prescribed this stuff, that he was getting it, you know, legitimately. And I had, I had a back injury. I, um, I got no damage in my back from an injury when I, from when I was working at Target. So I was gladly taking them damn Vicodins. Since then, I've learned to deal with the pain. I've got days when my back is real bad, and I, I just, I, I, de- I deal with it. Um, when I was doing the, the damn fishing, my back be killing me, but I dealt with it. I learned to deal, to deal with the pain. It's, it, it is what it is. I, I don't trust doctors. And after an incident with my, with my former business partner, I don't fucking trust anybody. I don't care if you got a bottle with your name on it and your pain isn't severe enough where you gotta be taking as much as you're allowed to take. I, I'm not touching those fucking pills. I don't know that they're fucking damn legal. And either way, it's technically still wrong for me to be taking them anyway. They're not prescribed to me. But that's a whole other, a whole other fucking thing. So anyways, um, <clears throat> it turns out that these pills were not his. Um, I found out part of that the hard way. Um, because one day I'm working in the office and I ran into a problem with, with the accounts receivable. One of our clients, it was showing, hasn't made a payment in like six months. So I, I wanted to ask him, you know, how he normally handles shit like that. Like, do you just add up all the months old and that's it? Do you add charges, late fees, or whatever to it? Like, how, how do you do that? So uh, I go looking for him. Can't find them. Nobody's seen them. Then I notice that there's a light coming in under the door for the dining room. So I go in the dining room. Man, that dude, we just locked eye contact. And for what felt like forever, it was literally dead silent. You could hear a pin drop. And there was a carpet on the damn floor. And you can still hear a pin drop. And then he just kind of walks over to me, uh, puts his arm around my shoulder, and tells me, alright, this is what we're going to do. We're, I'm dividing all this up into these piles that you see. You're going to help me bag them, and you're not going to say shit. Okay. Whatever. So that was the first sign that that these things that these pills were not his. I mean, if they were prescribed, you wouldn't have as many as he had laying out on the goddamn table. I had no doctor prescribes that many in one shot. I don't give a fuck how much pain you're in. I don't give a fuck how depressed or anxious or whatever you are that that you would need vitamins and Xanaxes for. You're not gonna get prescribed that many and in one shot. It's just not gonna happen. That was my first sign that something wasn't right. Now you're probably questioning, well, you seen that? How come you didn't go to the cops? How come you didn't? Well, between all the stories of people winding up dead and, you know, his, his friends basically backing that up, 
there's also the small fact that, um, well, in his wedding picture, that he had to make it a point to, to, to point out to everybody, and his former business partner, when he visited from, you know, I, th- I think he's from Michigan, when he came down to visit, he even confirmed, you know, what, what, what was what. In this guy's wedding picture, when he got married to his ex-wife, in the background, no joke, I am not making this shit up, was John Gotti Sr. Fucking John Gotti Sr. Yeah, the mafia, John Gotti Sr. was at this dude's fucking wedding. Um, so, I'm dealing with somebody who has mafia connections, okay, I'll, I'll get more into that <clears throat> later in the story. <clears throat> There's a lot more to to, 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 to this mafia connection. <clears throat> closer to the, the time, closer to when you know, he's in jail, we've moved to Florida. Something else revolved around just how in with the mafia he was it came forward. And I'll, I'll get to that when I get to that part of the story. <clears throat> but, uh,. So, dealing with somebody that's got mafia connections or had mafia connections, has guns out the ass. I mean, he carried at all times. There was at least uh, three sidearms on him. He carried one on either side, and he'd have one down around his ankle, and every now and again he'd have a fourth one on his back. All right. So. And then he still had more guns hidden in the attic. He had guns in his in his bedroom. He had, he had guns everywhere. Pistols, rifles. Um, I forget the brand. Caltech, I think those those foldable rifle things. I was not gonna fuck with this dude. Okay, and then you know it, it turned out that uh. His brother-in-law, so to speak, from North Carolina, that was helping his sister-in-law. I don't know, it's a fucked up story. She was married to his brother. They got divorced, but he kept in contact with them. Still viewed her as a, as a sister. Referred to the new husband as his brother-in-law. Because his brother and her had like um, his niece together and then and when his brother kind of got all fucked up he got he was screwed up with drugs and stuff I met I met the guy he he was basically homeless really fucked up had a crack problem that he's swarping down he, he was over with, over um but my business partner wouldn't help him out but anyways this guy that was running to, to the North Carolina business forum came up to visit. I thought it was a regular, ordinary visit, you know. I mean, they're supposed to be family. He is running my business partner's other business forum down there. So, what can possibly be going wrong? Well, evidently, a lot. Because apparently, my business partner and this guy 
were using the business to run guns interstate. And uh, another one of my business partner's friends during this visit shows up. Now, this guy was a biker, okay? And I want to get that picture real clear here. Like, this guy was literally a hard-ass biker. Like, a, he wasn't just some guy that went out and, and rode a motorcycle just for fun. He, he was, like, one of them scary motherfucking-looking biker dudes. Right? A guy you did not want to fuck with. He rolls up during this they're, they're doing the whole loading unloading of the guns out of this guy's the back of this guy's truck and he pulls up he spots it what's going on and my business partner more or less told him that he's going to help them out with it and he didn't want to he got scared like I've just try to picture a hardened, freaking tough as nails, badass biker, literally shaking in his boots. Like, literally, try to just, just picture that. That's that's like literally what happened. And then he goes missing. And my business partner did put on a good act. He really did. As we're driving around to all of our clients, he's making it a point to go to the guy's normal hangout spots looking for him. <clears throat> we drove past his house a couple times looking for him. He didn't see his bike nowhere. So my business partner wound up plastering his business cards all over the guy's truck windows. Figuring, well, when the guy sees the business cards and stuff, he'll know that we're looking for him and he'll call us. Well... Never heard from him. Never fucking heard from him. And, you know, those of us that knew all the stories that he was telling us, and the way he told the stories, like he was admitting it without, without exactly admitting it, if you know what I mean, we basically got the point of what just happened. Somebody stumbled across the operation... They weren't willing to, you know, do their part. He couldn't trust them to, to stay quiet, so he got rid of them. Basically, what the fuck? What the fuck happened? As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't know. The guy could have just, you know, packed his shit and ran, left everything else there. I don't know. But based on what I know of my business partner and the stories that were told and confirmed, I believe. The worst case scenario is what happened to that guy. Um, when I first started working with him, before I got my 10% of the company and before I got my VPO spot, he'd take me to a garage, a mechanic shop, where the only thing we had to clean was the bathroom. That's it. And it was a small bathroom. It was in a mechanic shop. It was literally like there was just enough room to open and close the door. And you had one of those really small, like almost non-existent sinks, and and, and those ridiculous fucking toilets. You know that that, that would be that. That was the whole bathroom. All, all we were there to clean. <clears throat> and I couldn't understand for life of me why we have a contract to clean just one little itty bitty fucking bathroom, right? 
And then for months, literally for months, that we're going there doing this, he'd go in there to tell me to have me wait in the van, and he'd be in there for a hell of a lot longer than it took to clean and mop a bathroom. Well, when he finally allowed me to go in there with him, I met, they're all Italian, okay, all fucking Italian. I met a guy named Tony, I met a guy named Big Sal, um, I forget the other guy's name, and then there was all these younger guys, probably, you know, closer to my age at the time, doing, you know, working on the vehicles and stuff. Now, while they're all talking, I'm being my typical closey, paranoid self, because, I mean, when Tony met me for the first time when I was inside of the shop, he literally did that whole, like, Italian handshake thing where they grab your freaking forearm, you know? So, hearing stories of my business partner's mafia connections, seeing that John Gotti Sr. was at his fucking wedding, you know, hearing and hearing all those other stories, my, my paranoia is running wild. I had... A, a good idea of who these guys were. So naturally, my the way I am, I'm gonna look around. Does anything look off? Well, one of the guys that worked there caught me, you know, trying to look around. One of the other guys apparently didn't like that, but they didn't they didn't come straight to me and they asked me to leave my face. Out of respect, my business partner. They instead went to Tony, and then Tony said something to my business partner, who then asked me to uh, wait outside. And then the next several times we were we were there, I had to wait in the van. It took a couple more times before I was allowed to go back in the shop again. But that day, I got asked to leave. When he finally came back out and we drove off, I got fucking yelled at for looking around. I was told never, ever, ever look around. When we were going there, we're talking to Tony and we're cleaning the bathroom. That is it. <clears throat> nothing else. I'm not allowed to do nothing else. And when and if him and Tony walk into the back office, just clean the bathroom and then wait from outside. Do not go into the office. Because I'm, I'm not allowed to hear whatever the fuck it was that they were talking about. <clears throat> okay, whatever. Fine by me. Um, it turns out that was a freaking chop shop. And uh, around the time that Bill... That's my business partner's name. I, I wasn't trying to mention anybody's name, but now that I just did... If you heard it fine, I'm going to try not to say it again in uh, the rest of the story. But my business partner, around the times that he got locked up, Joanne wanted to go to the shop and warn Tony about, you know, what my business partner did, what he got caught for, and what he was threatening everybody with over the phone, calling home from jail. And... That was the last time anybody saw Tony. I don't know if, you know, people got to him or if he fucking just 
up and left or, or what, but he did not stick around. <laughs> it was some fucked up shit. Um, <clears throat> now, seeing a lot of this stuff, because a lot of this I did witness within the first, you know, like less than a year I was there. Now, we were working together basically 24-7. I was living with him. Joanne was living with him. We were all working together. <laughs> so, aside from the fact that he had, you know, pretty convincing stories of people wound up dead by his hands without him actually admitting to it. And despite the fact of how many guns he owned and how many guns he carried on him all the damn time, if that wasn't scary enough, another reason why I didn't go, you know, seeking help from the cops or anybody like that is because, like I said, he had two of those precincts in his pocket, um, just for starters, and on top of that, he was making threats on my life as well as my family's life, and... At first, it was like, <clears throat> whatever, I just didn't want anything to happen to my family. Then it got to the point where I had two of my brothers working for us also. So now they're, they're there with us. And I didn't want anything to happen to anybody in my family, especially my brothers. You know, God forbid, trying to say anything to anybody about what was going on. So I was trying to figure out how I can and get me and my brothers out of that situation as cleanly as possible without having you know to worry about too much about myself being murdered or anybody in my family getting murdered because I left. You know, with everything that I that I, I knew. Well I finally got the chance when he got arrested. Um One of his friends that I met, which I tried talking to, even after he went to jail, but then we, me and her had a fight. Because I was more focused on, like, what he was up to and stuff, and I was trying to, you know, let her know what he was actually like as a person outside of hanging out with her, and she didn't want to believe it. She only saw the better side of him. She didn't believe any any of the charges or any of the stories about him. And so, you know, whatever. She found out after the fact. Um, because when he was out on probation, he, she found out firsthand that I was telling the truth about him, about who, he, about who he really was as a person. Despite the fact she thought she knew him, because she know, obviously known him longer than I did. Because apparently before he got locked up, um, her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend were customers of his for the Xanax. And allegedly, they owed him money. So when he got out on probation, um, he literally held them at gunpoint over the money that they allegedly owed him. And she had to call the cops on him. And he went back to jail again. 
But you want to know how I got out of jail in the first place? I'll tell you how I got out of jail in the first place. When he first got locked up, it was for the drugs, right? Like, where we got picked up at, we had, a, we had a pharmacy that was a, that was a client of ours. Apparently the pharmacist was in on it. I was the one that always mopped the floors and cleaned the bathroom. And he was the one that would, you know, vacuum behind the pharmacy counter and all that shit. Well, apparently the reason why I did it that way is because he was taking the damn bottles of pills and sticking them inside the fucking vacuum bag and smuggling them out of the pharmacy inside the vacuum. Then, well, the pharmacist, apparently, however many years that was going on for, decided he couldn't go along with it anymore and ratted him out. So, I'm in the bathroom cleaning the bathroom and a cop started pounding on the door, asking me to come out, told me to sit down on the chair right there, asked me a whole bunch of questions. I obviously wasn't hiding nothing. I didn't know nothing. He escorts, escorts me outside uh, and told me to sit down and, you know, keep my hands over my knees, right? And my business partner was already cuffed and stuffed in the back of one of the cars. When the cops got done inside the pharmacy, I got to sit in the front of the, of the squad car. I didn't get cuffed or nothing like that. But I was questioned for four fucking hours before my business partner finally admitted to them that no, I did not know anything. I wasn't part of, of anything. And they let me go. He was allowed time to get his shit in order. And that is when the collapse of the business started. Because he was telling all, all, of, our, all of our clients what happened. He was going away. His son was going to take over. His son's basically like, no, I'm not taking over. I don't want the business. You know, and so clients just started fucking dropping. And shit got real. I mean, up to that point was was bad enough. But shit got real bad. And then I had to be the one to drive him to fucking prison. That was like the weirdest, most awkward fucking drive of my life. Now, how he managed to get out is he was in for a little over a year because I got my, because after the business officially crashed, he was already in jail a couple months. Um, I left before they lost the house. So, and I got, got my old job back. I had that for about a year before I lost that. And me and Joanne came down to Florida. And then we were down here for a good little while. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm getting phone calls from him. Like, what the hell? So, actually, I, I gotta look it up. I know what the fuck happened. Well, apparently, he got out because, because uh, well, you, you tell me how this sounds. They received a quote-unquote anonymous tip when they were digging along DPA for dead bodies to go to Hop Hog to Rabbit Drive, which if you 
think about this for a second. Bradborough Drive, Racanelli Brothers, that was their property. <clears throat> and underneath the uh, WB Mason building's floor, they found the bodies. So, that's what they did. WB Mason cleared everything out, dug through the floor, and sure as shit, there's the dead bodies they were looking for. And then, all of a sudden, he's released temporarily from prison before he got himself locked up again. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like he was the one that provided the so-called anonymous tip. I mean, I was assured, because I was assured several times that he'd be locked up for good. I mean, between the threats against me and my family, the fact that when I left, when he came out of jail the first time, um, he went looking for me. All he knew from his son is that I was driving a white car. Because <clears throat> I had a truck when he was still out of prison before he went to prison. And then that burst into flames on me. And then so I, I bought, you know, a little white car. And that's all, all his son knew. He couldn't remember what model it was or anything like that. So thinking I would have gone back to my mom's house, he went there looking for me. I wasn't there. At, the, at that point, I was already down here in, in... No, I wasn't in Florida yet. I was up in New York still. Because he went by my dad's house. My dad's old place looking for me too. Scared the fucking shit out of my dad. But he, he literally rammed my sister's car, which was also a small white car. Um, and I completely totaled it, thinking it was mine. And at that point, I was assured he'd be going to jail for a good while, between the drug charges, between um, the, the stalking and harassing charges. And I mean, there, was a, there was a laundry list of charges he was charged with. But he got out again and then got thrown back in again, threatening his friend's daughter and, and the daughter's uh, boyfriend. Um, I believe he's still in jail. Before I left, he did threaten me from prison. And then when he called me, when I was already living down here, I still had my New York numbers, which, you know, obviously since then, I've been down here 12 years now. I've changed, my numbers have been changed since then. But this was still shortly after we moved, so I still have my New York numbers. Um, I guess Nick and I was still in New York. He gave me another, you know, pretty vague threat over the phone. But at this point, I mean, if he wanted to find me, he probably could. It's been 12 years, he hasn't. So at this point, you know, it is what it is. But this two and a half years of my life really fucked with my head in a, in a really bad way. Um, now that we're nearing about an hour that I'm telling you guys about this particular story of my life, I'm going to cut it here. There's going to be now at least one more part to this going over because I was going to try to tell it you know, in order. But I kind of kept on jumping back and forth from the beginning to the end, to the middle, to the end. 
So there's some pieces that I gotta fill in, but I'm telling you, as far-fetched as this story sounds, I admit it does sound a little, you know, out there. It is all 100% true. I have people that can verify that. My former crew members, if I can track them down, they can confirm that all this is true. They, they, you know, working for us, they seen the same shit I did. They heard the same shit that I did. Um, I don't know if I can get either one of my brothers to talk about it. They both, for like years now, more or less moved on from it. And, you know, keep on asking me why the fuck I keep on, I keep on talking about it. Um... But they they witnessed a good amount of that. So there are people that can verify that what I'm telling you did actually happen. It it is all true. If I feel comfortable enough to give out his his full name, you you, you can look him up. You can look up his rest records and everything. I mean, you can see for yourself that he was charged with exactly what I'm telling you he was charged with. At the time, I'm telling you, he was charged with it. You should be able to, to find find documentation that proves he was, in fact, the owner of the company. If I tell you what the name of the company was. So, I mean, <clears throat> all this is 100% factual stuff. I'm not making any of this up. I have no reason to make this up. I mean, like I said, this show is basically stories of my life. And, you know, random discussions and world events, how I view them through my eyes, right? So, well, so far, I haven't really discussed world events too much. I've been mainly doing my life. I have no reason to make any of this shit up. Either you're going to listen to my show and enjoy it and subscribe to it and keep on listening to it, or you're not. One way or the other, honestly, I don't care. I mean, as I said in the first episode, I... The idea of this show was originally just for me, so I can come back and listen to it every so often, and you know, years later, look back on things, see how much I might have changed, how my views on things might have changed. And that was the original intent of this podcast before I got the idea of, well, screw it, I'll just you know, put it out there for anyone, anybody to hear. But there's still going to be content that's still going to end up behind the paywall because of the topics that are discussed, the language I'm going to end up using, talking about it. And there's there's going to be different, you know, potential triggers for people. So I'd rather have the warnings there for them. And then if you, if you decide or people that could potentially be easily triggered by different topics still decides they want to hear that stuff, that, that particular content, while you can subscribe and listen to it that way because I, I just yeah so anyways <clears throat> this is part one of this story um more or less I'll say because I did bounce all over the place and did go from the beginning to the end to the middle to the end it's more or less a summarized version of what happened the next part I'll fill in some blanks that I left out and I'll keep in mind all this was going on like literally while we're running a business okay like people are going missing uh, I'm hearing stories of, of people before before I walked into this idiot's life 
that gone missing or ended up wound up dead more or less by his hands you know all this crazy shit is going on including a road trip down to North Carolina which I will get into that in the next part um Bob were supposed to be running this business so like it, it was a very crazy very intense two and a half years of my life um if you liked if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the show I don't know if part two is gonna be behind the subscription only area or not yet depends on you know how far into the story I get and what part of the story I cover but please subscribe if you enjoyed this part of the show or this part of the story anyway and I will see you in the next episode have a wonderful day everyone, this is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Conrad Show. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, if you're not listening on Spotify, Spotify is the home of my subscription-only content. Any stories you want to hear that have part one or another missing pieces on on the free side, you gotta hop over to Spotify and subscribe. The subscription to the subscription content to get the uh, missing pieces of those particular stories. I will see you in the next episode.